0: to Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. I am your host, Sarah Sin, or you can just call me Sin for short. Here with me as always is my minion of evil and my partner in crime, Nathaniel. Hi everybody. (laughs) So again, on our show, we uh, don't just talk about horror movies and what we love about them and analyze them. We, if we can try to bring in the element of horror and history because horror movies tend to reflect society's fears, especially in the decade they were made in. And since now I'm a psychology major, We also try to bring in the element of mental health and psychology, whether it be how horror movies can be therapeutic in a way or how the movie itself reflects mental health in any way. So today's movie, we are doing um, another one of my favorite uh, werewolf movies, Uh, 1981's The Howling, directed by Joe Dante, starring Dee Wallace as Karen White. And she has been in many, many horror movies. You would know her from... Um, Cujo she was in well she was in E.T. also that's not a horror movie but she's been in a million of these things I would definitely put her in the category of a screen queen myself uh, Patrick again I'm gonna mess up these names Mackney as Dr. Wagner Dennis Dugan as Chris Christopher Stone as Bill Belinda Belaski as Terry Kevin McCarthy as Fred Francis and then Joe Carradine as Earl and there's a lot more people but that's just the ones I did So horror history, um, there were just a couple of things I tried to put in. Um, There's like the fear of losing control. That's always a fear I think a lot of people have. I think uh, the movie with the werewolves in a way, it does reflect the AIDS crisis, which was a big fear in the 80s. And a lot of the horror movies reflected on that in many, many ways. Um, The one I got from, uh, I think it was Joe Dante himself during the history of horror, Eli Roth's history of horror on Shudder, was -hmm. that it was um, part of... um, Sorry, it's like a metaphor for this California self-help movement. And then I also put in like the fear of the animal within us, which again goes with like the loss of control and, you know, all that. Psychology, this is where I got a whole bunch of good stuff. So hopefully we can touch base on a lot, as many as we can. We got repression, there's PTSD, um, fight, flight, or sometimes people put freeze. So it's fight, flight, or freeze now. Uh, anxiety, there's marital stress, there's amnesia, lots of, again, metaphors and symbolism, there's manipulation, vulnerability, giving into your impulses, of course, transformation, um, repressed sexual desire, loss of identity, um, primal instinct, again, loss of control, loss of oneself and obsession. So there's a whole bunch of um, psychology things I caught on to while I was watching the movie for, I don't know, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie, but it was kind of nice to watch it <laughs> and to actually, you know, do the psychology. So again, um, our theme this month, what has been, oh, the month of love, let's do werewolves because nothing says I love you more than werewolves. And today uh, we have a guest, which is Matt um, on Killer Horror Critic, who did the Killer Saturdays for a long time and kept us all sane during the quarantine. So Matt, go ahead. Introduce yourself. Talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, how's it going? Uh, yeah. Great to be here talking about werewolves, my favorite movie monster.
0: <laughs> nice. And
1: uh, and oh, you mentioned Killer Saturday. I missed those. <laughs> I do
0: too. I think a lot of lifesaver.
1: Yeah, yeah. People do. Uh, I yeah, think- yeah, well, they they were a lifesaver for me too. You know, just a whole year of
2: crap. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and not. It's not. It's not done yet. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. just
1: nice, nice to have a little bit of break. But yeah, uh, yeah. So that was a whole lot that you listed off there that uh, the Howling does touch on. <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to pick stuff up. <laughs> yeah. So, so one of one of my favorite things about the Howling, which is my personal favorite werewolf movie, is uh, is how it does directly just jump into the idea of repression. You know, because like in werewolf lore. You know the werewolf is typically this other side of the self or this repressed inner being. You know it represents like our primal side most often. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the uh, howling was, at least in my opinion, kind of the first werewolf film to like directly attack that idea, or, or not attack it, but to directly like jump into it and actually talk about it. You mm-hmm. know, and you see that a lot with uh, with our main character D or, or Karen played by D Wallace, where. You know this entire film is really about her trying to kind of overcome in my opinion this trauma that she's been through mm-hmm. and deal with the sort of repression that she's suffering from that's come from that yes you know so it's yeah. so like for, the, for those who don't know i i found it kind of interesting the the original novel written by gary bradner um which is actually a lot different from the film yes it it ope or er, it more involves a story where instead of Karen encountering this, you know, this werewolf Eddie in the porn shop, right? <laughs> instead of her, instead of her going through that with him, you know, she she's actually uh, raped at home and attacked there, and and then she ends up moving to this village with her husband Bill to kind of deal with it. And you know, the howling does, obviously doesn't get into that element directly, but I always kind of take the idea of Eddie you know, bringing her to that shop and forcing her to watch these videos. Right. And kind of, I, I view it still similarly in him putting her through this sexual trauma and then following that, you know, she's just dealing with that through the whole film where it's like, you know, it just, it just kind of plays a lot to me, like the, the uh, you know, dealing with this idea of trauma and the, and the fact that, you know, especially with women, nobody tends to believe it, right? Like, that's kind of like a major theme that I see with, Well, even uh, yeah, even
2: even at the beginning of even at the beginning of the film, when she's going to meet him, uh, she's a reporter. She's going to Mm. do a story, and what we see is we see a bunch of men in the office being like, "What's she doing?" Like, right? You know, uh, know, they're like, you know, and it's it's uh, so you, I think you're onto something there, in this idea of uh, of sexuality, where uh, and and being the object of desire, but the, the idea that these that these men are kind of like uh it, it, dismissing her efforts. You know?
1: oh yeah no D- Dante is Dante is like super aggressive with that theme early on you know because you have yeah. I mean first of all there's a the whole concept that Eddie is only attacking women and when he meets Karen he's kind of going off on this bullshit about like well none of them are really alive Karen, but I, I can make you feel alive, you know <laughs> and, like it, it's you know so it, it kind of jumps into that and then with the porn shop, you got the guy who owns the shop kind of, looking at her funny and all the men run out because oh my god there's a woman in the shop <laughs> and and then when the cops show up there and and the shooting happens you know the guy's reaction is I knew I shouldn't have let that broad back there like it's just very much yeah you know it's just it's yeah it's it's you know it, it's kind of <laughs> digging into like the sexism uh of the time and which you know is always of the time it seems but yeah. <laughs> She has it, it almost
0: feels like the whole idea of like um in a way like a lot of people were like well she was asking for it she was asking for it because she went into that porn shop she went back there she obviously was asking to yeah. be attacked yeah that's like how they of, treat her yeah. that's, and that happens a lot like i've heard it many a times from people it was like well what was she doing dressing like that she was asking for it i'm like no i i don't know how any i don't know how people think that way just because the way someone's dressed, that I means she was asking to be sexually assaulted. and Right,
1: nobody <laughs> nobody is saying, please do this because I'm no. dressing the way I want to, right? <laughs> like right, I
0: mean, if you're comfortable <laughs> in your body, wear whatever you want. There's nothing exactly. wrong with women being comfortable in their sexuality, but it seems exactly. like society doesn't like a woman being comfortable in her sexuality. And I think in a way, yeah, that part reflects that of like the, oh, what was she doing back there? Well, it, you know, she was asking for all that.
2: If it, right, were, yeah. if it were a man, if it were a, man huh? if it were a male reporter, who went in there? He would be a hero.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. He yeah. he mm-hmm. would be
1: a hero. There would be no comments about. I knew I shouldn't have let that guy back there. Like there be
0: right. none of that.
1: No, it would be and
2: like I- you know Geraldo opening Al Capone's vault. You know, like it would be like you know Anderson Cooper touring a uh, uh, the <laughs> Hurricane uh, uh, Hurricane Katrina. You know, it would be like, right. you know, he's not, he's a, he's a, a manly man for, for uh, wandering into these dangerous situations, but if anyone right. does exactly. it, she's, why was she setting herself up to be a victim? Right. Uh, and she, then he- even, she has an encounter in the alleyway on her way in there too, mm-hmm. right? doesn't she? A uh, guy's like, you know, hey, be- yeah, a guy stops her
1: and asks her how much, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which uh, that was actually shot on uh, Western Avenue, I guess, which I used to live near. Oh. And I can tell you that that is like. A pretty seedy area at times you know and and d wallace even mentions how like in real life she was getting you know people kind of accosting her on that street like that so
2: Uh, um, well d D. wallace was uh, was a bit of a was a bit of a sex symbol in that at that time uh Mm. so i mean i guess that's not super surprising uh even though she played like moms a lot and stuff but yeah no it's funny because
1: i you know, despite that, like I always considered her like my my horror movie mom growing up. You know, because she was she was the mom in Critters, which was like a huge film for me at the time. So that right. I just was consistently watching her in that, e. and e. then Cujo too, which what's
0: yeah, that? Et. Et. E. E. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Which which you said wasn't a horror film, but I will I will say Et is kind of a horror film because that <laughs> alien is scary as shit. But I agree. <laughs> he's
0: so cute. What are you talking about? He's, he's so creepy,
1: like making you touch his finger, and I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um. But no, but kind of, but playing further into that theme too, you know, you just, you see the way that the men react to D afterwards where, you know, first of all, you have her husband, Bill, who seems to maybe be trying to understand, but doesn't seem to understanding of what she's been through. He Uh -uh. seems frustrated with the fact that, you know, she's kind of closed off and it's like,
2: Well, he's like, I I think he's like, within like a couple of days, it's like, so when are we going to make love again? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I don't
1: know, maybe give her some time to process, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. um but then, but then her boss right but then her boss too they're trying to throw her right back on tv and, and in right. front of the whole world and of course she freezes up and she yeah. can't talk and and then they pull her and then he makes the comment of after she's been pulled he points at the screen to the male newscaster that's on tv and he points and he goes now there's a pro you know right. and it just right. feels so much like a slap in the face of her of just you know it just seems like he's disregarding her because she's a woman almost and yep. it, so I don't know, it's just we can talk more about that as we go, but like it's just a constant theme that I feel like plays all throughout this. <laughs>
0: well, there's yeah. a lot of like the get over it attitude, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry, you went through something traumatic, get over it, everyone has. And it's like it's not that easy. Like people hold on to trauma and oh yeah, they they internalize it and it, you know, manifests. And a lot of people don't say something right away because they're afraid of the repercussions. And then when they do hold on to it for years the attitude is like, well, why now are you saying something? But I think it's just, mm. you know, I don't know. It's just, they don't understand that when trauma happens and to anyone really, but the, I don't know, it's just not easy to just get over it. It takes a time. It takes a lot of therapy and it takes a lot of steps, but so many people just have that. We'll just get over it attitude. Like sucks to be you. It happens to everyone. And I, I feel like in a way that's probably, it seems like that's kind oh. of the attitude they had. I was like, whatever. Oh, and absolutely. That, that's sad. I mean-
1: no, it's very sad. I actually view this movie as well. I guess it's pretty outwardly tragic without it yes. ends, but I I view this movie as very tragic in regards to that theme. Like, are we? Is it okay to jump to spoilers with the ending? Or are we? Oh yeah. Oh, go right ahead.
0: Okay. Yeah, we don't go. Uh, you know.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> um. So, like, I view the ending is just horribly tragic because you know, on the surface, obviously it's sad because Karen dies, but but to me, like, going along with the theme, it it plays into that. Uh, it plays in that sexual trauma where women aren't believed in the sense that, you know, Karen has this whole big showing where she's kind of coming out to the world and saying, hey, this is what happened to me. And and to me, like, the werewolves represent a lot of things in this film, but one thing that kind of stands out or or maybe I'm stretching with it, but I feel like they kind of represent trauma itself, you know? I mean, you have these werewolves that can't be killed no matter what you do. It's kind of like this persistence of trauma. But in the end, when she has the werewolf come out, to me, it's kind of like showing the world her trauma. And you've got a tear running down her face. Yeah. Yeah. And then she shot on TV and then everybody in the bar, for the most part, just kind of like, ah, whatever.
2: Yeah, whatever. You know, like that
1: that wasn't real. That didn't really happen. And, you know, it just strikes to me, like, just you see it play out so much in the world where someone will come forward about an attack like that and just you always have this overwhelming amount of people. They're just like, nah, you're lying. You're making it up. You know, and it's just, I don't know. This place is very And that's sad why right.
0: a lot of what people don't come out and say anything. And that exact- is, that's the exact reason is because they're afraid no one's going to believe them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and to know? me, it's the, it's the tragedy of the hauling is that Karen ultimately is not really able to overcome her trauma. And it ends up, you know, resulting in the way it does. So she,
2: She, she manages to own it i think and that's that's important you know making the decision to transform on television to prove what happened is the is is it's bittersweet because obviously she it's you know upsetting that she dies but she's definitely she's definitely owning it to the point where there's a triumph there Mm. um in a way that that no other werewolf in the film is capable of doing uh, yeah
1: because yeah, she's facing it it's very
2: brave what mm-hmm. she does. yeah and then no, the rest of them don't really want to face it they uh and they're being taught not to face it i mean at some point we will bring up this site the psychiatrist who runs the uh the uh, werewolf community who is a terrible psychiatrist oh he's awful um, <laughs> Wagner. yeah wagner and like the, the, the entire point to, to your point about uh werewolves representing trauma where he's he's preaching suppression it's like, you know, don't be, don't, don't be werewolves. Don't, don't give into your base or nature. And they're like, but that's how we process. Right. Um, and we've got a lot of broken individuals living in this commune uh, who are, are werewolves. Uh, but, they, and they're like, we just want to We want to, to deal with our, with who we are. We want to express ourselves. And he's like, don't do that. Mm. Uh, learn, learn to fit in. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it's absolutely it's terrible therapist (laughs) behavior (laughs) but i mean so i mean to the the degree that that karen is able to use the what she uh, what she sees as an affliction to do something that is is meant to be positive Uh, but ultimately dante's uh sense of humor is a little bit more cynical um because of course as you mentioned gary bradner's book is much different she she doesn't die at the end she doesn't turn a werewolf at all in bradner's Mm. novel she she, she 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 lives through it um, with Chris, the two ga- the two main characters survive. They go home, and then there's a sequel, and more stuff happens. <laughs>
0: wow. um, oh
2: yeah, oh yeah, there's a sequel. <laughs> yeah, there's a sequel. Uh, uh, I, I just like actually-
0: it. I like them I all. Do. Mm. I
1: do
2: too. <laughs> they they all have something I appreciate. Yeah,
0: yeah. but they I mean, really yeah, do.
2: The novel had a sequel. Bradner wrote another book. Uh, he wrote two more books actually. Yeah, three of them all together. And Howling Three was sort of the plot of Howling Six, the mm-hmm. freaks, but not really. Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, like, so in the book, like, there is no that metaphor isn't really there. I think it's more about infidelity, uh, right. than anything else.
1: Well, uh, it's interesting with uh, with the approach to her werewolf, too, because you know, that that wasn't originally the intention the, the way that she looks, you know, because her werewolf has a, a softer, kinder feeling to it, like a more yeah. vulnerable feeling to it, and, and that originally wasn't the case. They were just gonna make her like the others, but D insisted. <laughs> That that her werewolf be a, a quote unquote good werewolf, yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> Looks more like a puppy.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, in a way. They, yeah, they called her like the the Pomeranian werewolf or something.
2: <laughs> well, it's it, it, it. I think she. I think her instincts were right. I think. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, me too. Uh, I think her the uh, it it pre- presents a haunting image. Uh, Definitely of, it, a, it did, of a of a sad dog.
1: You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it, it expresses the tragedy of the moment, whereas if she'd just been a regular werewolf. We might still feel something, but you know the, the way you'd, that it looks and the tear running down the face—it just it hits you so hard.
2: Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to rely on on Chris's reaction in order mm. to sell the moment, um, and I and I don't think that would have worked. But exactly, uh, no. Considering considering Chris is largely a comic relief character more than anything else. I mean, he shows up with some silver bullets, but that's really all he does. In the, right. The film. <laughs> um, this is actually a very um. Uh, very female-driven narrative,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, uh, with our two main characters are Karen and um, uh, I should have written it down. Terry, her husband Bill. Terry. Oh, uh, Terry. Uh, yeah, okay. the 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 other reporter,
0: right?
2: Who has uh, uh, probably the best moment in the entire film?
1: Oh, hands um, down, in my opinion. Yeah,
2: when uh, when uh, the werewolf, uh, when uh, what was his name? Uh, not Bill. Bill's the husband. Uh, uh, Eddie. Eddie. Eddie shows Eddie. up and and. Uh, I love the fact that uh it, that if you watch the documentary stuff uh on the howling, it's ruined immediately. Where they're like they, the werewolf is actually like it's a human legs, like they didn't mm. actually have a full werewolf costume. They didn't have money. So they just yeah. shot it from like the waist up and it looks great. But they're like, if you pull the camera back like a like like three inches, you'd see that it's just a person in a costume. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> and the actress, the actress, uh, and it was, uh, I think it was, was it a female actress who's standing on a box to give it mm. the height? But, uh, and then, uh, but uh, the actress who plays the uh, reporter plays a, does a wonderful job of, uh, of really playing up the horror of that scene. Otherwise, it
1: wouldn't work. So. Oh, for sure. And, and if you ask me, it, it kind of plays into the, the thematics we've been talking about, too, because, I mean, if you watch this movie, the only moment where anyone is actually brutalized by a werewolf is this one moment with a woman yeah. being brutalized by Eddie, right? So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, that's you know, actually, um, I like that. I kind of like that scene with her, um, fighting back, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Like, that's one of the things I like about, um, I feel like a lot of maybe horror movies in general, people put the final girl down, but I'm like, or they say that they objectify women and make them helpless victims. And I'm like, most horror mm. movies I've seen the woman will fight back, you know, in the end, oh, she yeah. fights back and Terry at least fights for her life and cuts off the arm of the one guy with the ax. And like, she at least isn't going to go down with the fight. And I feel that a lot of women in horror, especially if children are involved, will mm. fight tooth or nail to oh. save the kid oh, or absolutely. save themselves.
1: <laughs> absolutely. They're not going yeah. down, you know, I mean, a- everything that Terry does in this movie with like, you mentioned chopping the hand off the werewolf yep. and, and the call Chris and trying to get mm-hmm. him to come down there. Like, if that were me, I probably would have frozen the cabin in the first place and just let Eddie rip me apart, right? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's,
0: um, I think women no. are very strong in horror movies, and I don't like when they're put down as, like I said, the you know they're they're put in a way to be so you can relate to them. Mm. But then again, and then at the end, they do fight back. So that's one reason why I absolutely another reason why I love horror movies. I love them for so many reasons, yeah. but one of the reasons I love them is that they put the women up there as fighters. I mean. One of the best ones of all time, I will say, is Ripley from sure. Alien. Yeah. Like, that woman fights for her life. And then in the sequel, I mean, she goes up against a queen xenomorph because it took the child away. And she was oh, yeah. not Rip- going to let that child die. Like, she was a mama bear, if there's ever a mama bear.
1: Oh, 100%. Ripley is the <laughs> ultimate badass.
0: <laughs> She's like, and, that's and, and- who I look at as, like, if I was a mom, that would be me. Like, I, well, right. I am a mom. I mean, like, but that would be me. Like, that's me. I'm the mama bear. Don't mess with my kid. And, in fact, I've gone after my ex-husband and said, if I ever see my daughter cry again over you, you're not going to be happy because we will be going back to court. Oh so yeah, I'm, I, I'm going
1: Ripley on your ass. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly, pretty much. Like, I'm going there. Like, I'm sorry, that is my pride and joy. So she is like yeah. my ultimate badass but, mom. But that's what I mean, like horror movies, they, I think they do make women more um, they, relatable they, yet badass.
1: <laughs> they do. You know, I think like, like for me, I, I was bullied as a kid. And so Nancy from A Nightmare on Elm Street, she was always like a big hero to me. Because Nancy, you know, from the very beginning, is like trying to figure Freddie out and fight him, right? Right. Yes. And and Freddie was always kind of the ultimate bully. So the end with her turning her back on him and just being like, "You're nothing. You're shit." Like, what a what a boss move, you know? Just like, I'm not even going to try to like stab you or anything. I'm just going to turn my back on you and take all your power away. Like, it's such a such a just metaphorically like awesome message with that. But yeah, uh, no, I, I think yeah. the issue sometimes with horror has always been that you know it's considered the easier genre to break into it's low budget it's where a lot mm-hmm. of filmmakers kind of cut their teeth and so you do unfortunately have i think a lot of filmmakers that come into it that's you know maybe don't hold up those standards as well as we do Of yeah. like this should be empowering for women and they mm-hmm. and they do kind of objectify it but right. you do just have so many entries in the genre that it's like yeah i'll never hold it against it if somebody's like i don't know if i like how some horror especially from the 80s or whatever treats women but I always think that there's a, a, a plethora of films that do the opposite, you know, that that do hold women up and, and show them as heroes. So. I think
2: the I think the films that last, like the like the Howling, are mm. are in the positive side of the uh, of the gender uh, of that ju- uh, gender issue. I mean, all the ser- all the serious stuff that's been written, uh, you know, like Carol G. Clover. Uh, mm-hmm. Robin Wood, uh, all that stuff was is very much uh, usually in defense of the genre. In terms, right. of, in terms well, of,
1: it, yeah. and it's one reason I've always really loved uh, the Howling as a franchise, and and why I often find myself in fights over which one's better, the Howling or American Werewolf in London. You know, because like, and I and I think they're both great films, but yeah. to me, yeah. to me, I've always viewed American Werewolf in London as kind of first of all, it, it's a little bit more basic in terms of plot, yeah. you know, because it's it's pretty standard to the more traditional werewolf lore. yeah, uh, But I always kind of viewed it as more of like, um, I guess like the dude bro werewolf movie. <laughs> uh, whereas whereas the Howling is very like femme positive. You know, the whole franchise in a sense is because, you know, we mentioned the sequel. The sequel has like the mother of all werewolves. <laughs> and and uh, and then you have further sequels down the line where almost every time it's a female werewolf. And you know, part five is one of my favorites because yeah, it has a female werewolf. Yeah. It's, it's great, you know, yeah. setting the gothic castle and all that yeah. but uh, but it has it has a female werewolf from that who is playing dumb the whole time and just manipulating everybody, you know so yeah. playing incredibly um,
2: dumb. yeah yes. incredibly right right, but on purpose, yeah. you know yes. so, yeah to the point where um, nobody ever nobody ever suspects her whatsoever. yeah exactly. So, in, fact, so, in fact yeah that the, the plot of that movie is this basically comes down to two guys measuring dicks while she oh, yeah. it, while she <laughs> just sort of waits to see which one's gonna kill the other. As, exactly. as it always is right yeah, but yeah. um but no but
1: Sabrina back yeah. to the holly I think that's what's kind of interesting going along with the the femme positivity of it is that you know you do have the character Marsha yeah where her her and Dee are sort of opposites because you know like Dee has that tragic story where she's dealing with this and doesn't doesn't really know how to deal with her repression and Marsha You know, Marsha's the villain of the movie, but I do see something positive in her in that she takes control of her sexuality, Mm -hmm. you know, like she's very in control of herself as a person and as a woman. And, you know, so it's it's why, like, I kind of like that she lives (laughs) Um, because I just I like that even though she's a villain, I like that symbol of strength of like she is technically in control of this whole movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, well, no, I mean, I like, I like Marsha Law. I mean, she's definitely the only thing about her. I, I mean, so yes, I like the whole idea that, yes, yeah, she's in charge of her sexuality. She's okay with her sexuality. Mm. I mean, I remember that one woman at one point calls her a nymphomaniac. And yeah. I'm thinking, so what? <laughs> Who cares if she likes that? The only thing I exactly. was a little against with her was, you know, seducing Bill, who's a married man. Like, there's yeah. there's, to me, there's a line. I mean, again, maybe it's because in that area, I can be a little biased. My ex husband. Did cheat on me, which is why. Oh, I, I mean, yeah. she's
1: definitely not someone you. But root for, you know, that's you know, my no, but, only yeah. thing
0: about her is like, don't go after married people. Like, that's kind of my line in movies in general. Is like, just you know, there's so many people you can go with with them well, and do your thing, but leave the married people out of it, please. Well, well,
1: and the whole and the whole thing with Bill, you know that again, I, and I hate to keep bringing like this particular topic up, but it's no, like, no, it's okay. <laughs> but but that but that whole thing with Bill that that does play into it further too, where it's like you know someone who is repressed or has been through some kind of trauma bills like your typical yeah. frustrated not willing to be there for her kind of husband oh, he's not
0: innocent in any way shape or form yeah. i'm not saying he's innocent in this situation at all
1: oh no yeah no for sure <laughs> um but it's like you know even though even though on the film surface it's oh we think okay well he's a werewolf now that's why he's going after marcia even before then he's still looking at marcia and having yeah. those ideas right mm-hmm. and it, and so you know, it, it just reminds me of like what what happens sometimes in these situations. And and honestly, you know, a big part of this film too to me is kind of talking about the the sort of uh, violent, I guess, sexuality that resides in men because you know portrayed through the Eddie character, right? Um, yeah. So so this film it deals a lot with that too because you know we've already we've already been talking about the theme of like men kind of ignoring women and mistreating mm-hmm. them and. And, and, and you see that through Eddie, but then once Bill becomes a werewolf, you know, you have Bill who's slapping Karen, he, he just completely yeah. disregards her at that point, mm. you know, and so it's kind of like touching on this idea of Bill's kind of inner creature, his inner primoral, his inner primal creature has come out, and I just, I love that the film kind of hints at it already existing before he's bitten yes. because yeah. you know for one you have that whole hunting scene where the men are taking him out hunting and he ends up shooting a rabbit and the men are all like oh you're a natural hunter you know like they make a big <laughs> I'm like you're a natural killer you know yeah. and then Bill's vegan but once you know once uh, the world's taken over it's now he you know he, he just jumps right into being a beast right so right
0: right
2: So
1: I don't know. I mean, it could be a stretch, but I just I definitely see. I don't think it's a stretch at all.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I think I think the uh, uh, particularly the vegan thing, um, you know, you got the idea that uh, uh, Bill is presenting uh, a certain uh, a certain identity that is not who he is exactly uh, he's so yeah. obnoxious he's uh, obnoxiously vegan he's like i don't eat meat this is like 14 dots. um <laughs> and and but ultimately you know it just takes one push for him to break that yeah. you know uh,
1: kind of like will's oppression right like yeah. he, he's sort of keeping his inner animal inside and
2: not yeah really yeah. Embracing who he really is. <laughs> yeah and i mean the same thing with eddie i mean we get the we see his little we see his bedroom and uh, his attitudes towards women and other people uh, ultimately kind of point towards that masculine um, I can do no wrong you know mm-hmm. I, I'm always justified in what I do um, to the point where you know our, our villain Eddie, Eddie is the closest thing we have to a true outright villain in this film um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, uh, unabashedly like he's just absolute As uh, I forget the name of the film critic but in 100, scur- 100 Scariest Movie Moments he just says he's the absolute scum um <laughs> Yeah, he there's nothing redeemable about. Yeah, it. He's not. He's not no. begging. He's not a begging for sympathy werewolf. He is just no. absolute scum. Um, no. But I mean, like, so we have that idea that uh, that uh, we have that concept of like, almost like the incel, the man who can do whatever he wants, mm-hmm. uh, and he's justified in doing so because, uh, you know, maybe maybe he has a bad upbringing, or. Uh, you know, and again, we're talking about uh, it t- ties back to trauma. It ties back to to what's what's deep inside and how you deal with it, where it, ultimately I think we keep coming back around to the idea that the repression is bad. Um, mm. yeah. Bill is repressing his instincts. Uh, the psychiatrist is telling, you know, Marsha to repress her instincts. He's and, and
1: he's repressing his own. own.
2: And he's repressing his yeah. own. Uh, it, it's got so bad. We see like uh, John Carradine, uh, the wonderful late John Carradine. You know, yelling about how he wants to kill himself because he can't mm-hmm. live like this anymore. Um, And the the, the and the doctor kind of laughs it off and says like, "Oh, it's just him, be John, John Carradine yelling." He's
0: like John. He's like he's drunk again or
2: he's drunk again. Yeah. 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 And know, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and not and not even stopping to think about the fact that his treatment's not working. Yeah. Um. And so, I mean, Karen ultimately breaks that cycle as the only character who says, "Well, I'm going to deal with." Well, but she's forced to deal with her trauma to a degree, but uh, but I mean, ultimately, yeah, I think you're. I don't think you're stretching at all. I think Bill, uh, we we get the impression Bill is probably not a great guy, yeah, uh, and probably never was.
1: And you know, I like that you mentioned um, Eddie's room too, where you come into yeah. Eddie's room in the beginning and you see that it's just nothing but werewolf drawings and pictures of karen and and sexual things you know and and i found it it's it's a really small thing but i found it kind of interesting that uh when they find the picture of karen terry makes a comment of like oh the kid was a real artist like like he's impressed by eddie right yeah and and yet uh i think i said his name wrong chris chris finds finds and and then uh terry she kind of gets this look of like that's I'm not going to fucking admire this creepy ass picture right. of Aaron that he drew, you know? So yeah. I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It just, it further ties into like, I, I think, I think the idea with Chris there is he's just kind of maybe one of those men that doesn't quite see that sort of thing around him, you know, maybe doesn't quite get.
2: <laughs> he doesn't take anything very seriously
0: yeah. right?
2: Um, at any given point. Um, it's not until the very, very end where, and like I said, he literally pretty much all he does is show up with a shotgun.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, silver
2: bullets. So with the silver bullets he, he bought from uh, the, the uh, great uh, late great Dick Miller yeah.
1: yep. um, apparently claimed this is his favorite movie so yeah. which, he, which
2: he had like one scene in yeah but um, okay. but yeah Dick Miller's great um, he is. but yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah I mean like Chris certainly doesn't seem to have um, to take much very seriously. you know uh, he's making jokes. I think he's I mean out of out of our choices of men in this film he is he's our best he's our best one. For um, sure. Yeah. And, and
1: it's and it's just interesting because he's not he's not really there until the end, you know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> he's absentee. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's exactly. absent.
2: yeah, Very he's absentee. Absent. Hey, which is again a very, uh, a very, yeah, a very, uh, which is a very cheerful uh, conclusion to come to. Is that I'll uh, of uh, in the howling, all men the best you can do is just be not there, um, uh, because if you are there, you're kind of terrible. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, uh, what else? Uh, what else did you have in mind, Sarah? Uh, oh,
0: I was gonna go back to um, the whole I. Idea- Because this is something I've always said. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you all the way. I like The Howling better as a movie. Like, I think it's just all around a good movie. But I do like the transformation scene from American Wolf um, in London better. I think it's because for me, it's so painful to watch. and It's like the guy is, I don't know. There's something about like watching it. Like you really want to turn away, but you just Mm -hmm. can't. You have to watch it. Mm -hmm. So that's one of like, My things is that in my debate, I will always go with the howling, but I do like the transformation scene a little better, and it's more because it makes me uncomfortable to watch because I'm just like because Eddie like relishes in it. He's like having so much fun when he he transforms. It's like he loves that, even if it's painful. It's like he loves all everything about it, which also is kind of cool in a way because he's just like, look at me, like.
1: Oh, for sure. To me, it's kind of it's like two different two different types of being uncomfortable. So, like, American War from London. I mean, look, I. I totally get why it's the favorite. I mean, Rick Baker, just what he sure. does with that moment. Like <laughs> at the time, the thought of putting a makeup effect like that under yeah. just pure bright light, and yeah. you're not like you're not shying away from it at all, that was unheard of. You know, yeah. always like those things dark and <laughs> yeah. and he just put it all on screen there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very painful. Like that was the whole concept is we want to show how awful it is to be a werewolf and and really yes. lean into this idea of being cursed. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it is hard to watch in that sense. But what I kind of love about the Hollings Transformation, uh, first of all, is it's not really approached like your average werewolf in the sense that uh, when you listen to the theme, I, I forget the name of the composer at the moment, but when you listen to the theme, it's very alien. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it plays like an old 50s sci-fi creature feature because you kind of have these like, whoa, whoa, you
0: know, like <laughs> just,
1: it's all wobbly and weird mm-hmm. and yeah. And uh, so it just has a very like alien sense to it, and I love that in that moment, you know, D is just caught under uh, under the the guy or not the guys. Uh, she she's mesmerized by it, you yeah. know, like she can't take her eyes off it. She's she's stunned, and so I feel like we're in her shoes in that moment of just staring at this thing that I think goes on for like two and a half minutes. That transformation—it's a, longer- a long one, yeah. Right, and we're just with her in awe of like
0: yeah.
1: seeing the true beast within, right? Um, and this was Rob. Know, yeah. Was, it, it, what's up?
2: This was Rob Botton, right? This is
1: Rob Botton. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is funny too, because Rick Baker was originally supposed to do uh, the effects for the howling, from what right. I understand, and then he went on to go do American War from London. Yeah. Right. So Botton was his assistant. So then he put him on this, but, no. um, but yeah, no, now- so I i will i will submit and agree like american Wolf london is is the better one but
0: <laughs> just a better uh, transformation so. i think the howling is a better movie because I, like oh, yeah. I, I, I think i picked out some more metaphors and like one of them i thought was definitely like the aids crisis because um i actually said it to you earlier or uh, yesterday and mm-hmm. i was like a person doesn't ask to be a werewolf they're basically like turned against their will yeah that in a way was like what was happening in the world at the time was people we're getting this disease that no one knew anything about no one was asking for and then they get into this transformation where they turn to someone in the end where you don't even know who that person is because mm-hmm. that's what disease does and the example i always give is like my mother passed away of cancer and she went from this beautiful woman who i grew up with and to the point where she died i didn't even recognize her anymore because sure. that's what it disease does and i think werewolves in general are i think um a metaphor for disease because it does mm-hmm. show like this transformation that happens that there's no control over, or well, at least in this movie, there is like, I did like that, that they can control their transformation. It's not always on the full moon. And the other thing I kind of picked up on was, I feel like it's almost a metaphor for bipolar disorder because it is two opposite ends of a spectrum. You know, the people with bipolar have the manic phase where they're up here in a high, then they have the depressive phase where they're down here in a low And Mm. I feel like werewolf transformation is almost the same thing. You know, you're a human, which, you know, you have control over and you have a conscience and morality. But then you turn into this werewolf that has loss of control. You're powerless and you just go completely on your primal instinct. So Mm. I don't know why I picked that up with this movie. But it was like this movie that made me really think like it's a great metaphor for bipolar disorder, for what a person is actually going through.
2: Well, we've done we've done three other films before this. And uh, one of the themes of our of our ongoing is our our ongoing uh, run through these werewolf movies is uh, noticing that these things keep coming back around. Yeah. um, And and making those connections. Um, So, I mean, yeah, I think that absolutely. I mean, even though even though the howling is is much more werewolves are much more controlled. We're still dealing with with uh, with something that is unique to them. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're living in a in a in a literally in a commune, a support group for yeah. a, um And
1: oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: And and again, we have uh, and again that, uh, we keep coming back around to the fact that they're being really poorly led in that support mm-hmm. group, um, which could be. I mean, if you wanted to make that connection to the AIDS crisis, I mean, you like you said, there was you know people didn't really know what to do. Um, so anybody that uh would be treating it would be uh I would probably be advocating for just do the best you can in in uh integrating. Yeah. Um They're
0: completely oblivious know, to it because it yeah, was still don't, they don't, really heard of.
2: Don't deal with your disease. We don't know how to deal
0: with your disease. Right. Uh, right.
2: So you got these werewolves and you got this guy. Now he was a werewolf, right? I can't remember uh yeah he was yeah. a werewolf.
0: Was, okay. I, that was one thing I was confused about was was he a werewolf or not?
1: Yeah, yes. he was. That's why he was. when he gets shot with that silver bullet, he's like, "Oh, thank God," right. <laughs> because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to deal with it anymore. You know, he just wants to die.
2: Right. Right. And so you um, do have that idea of like uh, of a group <laughs> of these people who are uh, have something that they're struggling to deal with. That there's no manual for. There is no. There's no guidebook. There's nothing that will help them understand it, except each other, except living with it. And so then you do have this this, uh, authority figure who is then telling them, here's how you deal with it. You don't deal with it. Uh, Ignore it. Yeah. Uh, Oh,
1: you know, it kind of speaks to, you were already saying this, but it kind of speaks to the authorities at the time where, I mean, largely it was ignored. Yeah. You know, Uh, like the government basically was just like, ah, fucking deal with it on your own. Like they were very absent at the time. Yeah.
2: And you not know, only that, and 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 they would blame, and they blamed it on, you know, the the homosexual community. They said, "Here's right. these freaks, these weirdos. They're the ones yeah. who have this disease." So if you look at the howling and you look at the people who are living in this commune, they're not people that you would, that polite society would probably hang out with. You know, you gotta. Yeah, to-
1: it, it's why, like, you know, even though, <laughs> even though the werewolves are technically the villains, there's still some. Still a little bit of empathy, I think, for them because because of exactly what you are just talking about, which is this idea that, you know, you could look at it as uh, a reference to the AIDS crisis. You can look at it as a society kind of throwing away, you know, people who struggle with mental health. Uh, And I mean, the interesting thing about the werewolf and and why it probably keeps coming up in uh, all the discussions that you've had is, you know, the werewolf is rooted um, in in Misinformation when it came to schizophrenia. Yeah, you know that—that's what a lot. That's what that's what where it was really came from was people suffering from that, and then they were, you know, misinterpreted as like these mythical monsters or whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, but no, but there is a lot of that there. You know, these people have been shunned from society, and it, it's—I don't know. It's just—it's so, just so weird to like kind of look at them as not totally evil.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they—they—they um, they, want to eat people. I mean, that's ultimately where we go. Like they they ultimately, they reject (laughs) Wagner. I mean, and and ultimately, yes, Wagner is trying to keep them from murdering people. Um, You know, before we, before we start pulling out, before we start pulling out the violin for him, I mean, they do, they do want to, they do want to murder people. um, And Wagner is trying to stop them. But I think the metaphor is there. um, For, for how poorly authority figures deal with, uh, uh, Something different with, yeah, out, it, with outsiders.
1: Yeah. Um, always, always just shunned away and trying yeah. to be forgotten
0: about. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like this goes back when, um, um, to the whole like, um, you asked for it, like mm-hmm. the whole AIDS crisis. It was, you know, exactly what Nathan just said. It was the homosexuals and they were being looked at as, yeah, oh, well. And it almost like the attitude, like, well, you deserved it because well, well, you're gay. And I'm yeah, like, you know, that's, that's awful. Like, that's just because someone,
1: it's oh. the it's a really dark, seedy, yeah, underbelly of that whole time period. Is that you know? In a lot of ways, I, I think I think a lot of people would probably agree that the government was intentionally not really doing much. You know, right? And that's just kind of a sad truth.
2: Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and things have changed an awful lot. in which uh, is good. In the last 30- no, they being <laughs> <ain't got> <laughs> right. uh, honest. The, last, I know. the last 30- so there's a major
1: or a, a, a group of people that still view it that way but <laughs>
2: yeah yeah but yeah we still got we still in mean, 40 years we haven't gotten too much better um but no. uh but wow. yeah the um we we have pockets that have gotten better um uh, but mm-hmm. uh, our government not so much they, it, they there's
1: more working. recognition
2: there is more recognition <laughs> yes uh and there are st- steps have been made but i mean but you know largely in the last five weeks uh, <laughs> since our last four years of uh of um uh, of once again <laughs> once again attacking a particular group of people and uh or multiple groups of people. But um but yeah, the uh not to, not to get off on that rant. Um I, I don't I I don't, I don't I don't need that kind of uh that kind of encouragement. Um No, no, he doesn't. Well actually, so my daughter
0: actually asked him one day what the rainbow flag was because she's a little she's um she's a little girl and she loves um she does like little, you know, ponies and things like mm-hmm. that. And she loves rainbows and mermaids and she likes cars too. And getting, you know, she loves everything. And she asked me one day and she goes, what's that rainbow flag mean? Cause it was on front of a church. Yeah. And I said, that flag means that you are free to love anybody you want. And you are welcome in that building because you love whoever you want. And I said, remember uncle Troy and uncle Kevin? Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, well, they love each other. So they got married. And she's like, just like, you know, Chiefs and Grandpa loved each other and got married. I'm like, exactly. I'm like, it Mm -hmm. just means you're free to love whoever you want. Because I have to simplify it because she's five. Sure, yeah. But like, I'm trying, I'm raising the next generation.
1: Yeah. That, and that's awesome that you're, you're reassuring her that that's okay. Yeah.
0: You know? Yes, I want her to be whoever she, whoever she deems she is. Like I will love her for whoever she is. And I hope, I just want her to have happiness and that's all. And I wish more people thought that way that there is happiness and that they can be who, whoever they are and just let, you know, it's.
1: Exactly. Can, and, how and is I, it hurting
0: you anyways? Like.
1: Exactly. unless you're your business. Hurt. Unless they're werewolves trying to eat you, like just right, exactly. be, you know, let them yeah. be who they are. <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, but I mean, I could to take it back to, to one small point with the with the AIDS crisis thing is yeah. you know it, it, there's a little bit of a touch on that in the end too where uh, where Bill ends up being the one to bite Karen, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like that idea of well he slept around and now he's this sexual partner of hers bringing back this you know this disease so. Uh-huh. So you, have, you do see it in a little bit there, but and then you
2: could and then you could have, uh, you know, then you could even, if you wanted to take that that line of reasoning all the way down of D. Wallace, then uh, uh, Karen, then presenting that to the world and mm. saying it's not, it's not just, uh, it, it's something that you need to be aware of. It's something that actually is real. It exists. It's something that we need to deal with. And then to again have, you know, in a Reaganomics era, uh, you know, be like, oh, it's it's not real it's a mm-hmm. um it's, just, it's- yeah it, we don't we don't we don't have to deal with this at all um uh and of course it cuts to you know it cuts predominantly to white men in a bar going like we don't have to deal with that um yeah <laughs> and so
1: which is why well i will say i like i like the little bit of Marsha already back to like i'm gonna manipulate this dude into buying me a burger and then i'm gonna <laughs> eat it <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> Because yeah.
1: it's a dumbass white guy who's ignoring the issue.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I mean, so uh, the Howling is supposed to have a remake. Uh, yeah. No.
1: Well, is it? Is that still being talked about?
2: I saw. I thought I saw. Uh, uh,
1: no, you're right. That has okay. So the last I heard, I remember it was being floated around with the idea that Andy Muschietti was gonna. Yeah. Go into it. The guy who directed it. Okay. Which, I'm not a huge fan of that potentially happening, but <laughs> like I would love to see more howling. I just don't really, I'm not a big fan of machetes.
2: <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, okay. Well, from what I see, uh, it's still supposed to happen, I guess. Oh. All right.
0: Welcome to Concept. Oh.
2: <laughs> but um, I, guess yeah, it,
1: means... I haven't heard anything on it recently, but yeah, that was the last little bit i heard floating around was that andy might be working on it
2: yeah yeah
0: well i saw the what was it, the last one howling reborn i saw that one
1: yeah yeah that was kind of like a soft reboot
0: Like <laughs> that was, our- yeah. it
2: was spider-man but with werewolves um but yeah spider-man I mean, with werewolves yeah <laughs> Although I will say that uh, that particular uh, film had uh, some absolutely wonderful uh, performances. Um, The the two leads uh, had a a couple of scenes that... I remember watching that movie. I was at work. I was working overnights, and I just sort of had it up on my laptop. I wasn't really paying attention. And there was those couple of scenes of the two of them together that I just stopped what I was doing and and was paying attention. I was like, these two kids are great. Yeah, no, Um,
1: there there were moments in that that were were surprisingly good. Like, I didn't expect... Anything from it? I no. remember. I remember kind of thinking that wasn't too bad. It's definitely an improvement over uh, New, moon so. <laughs>
2: yeah. New Moon Rising. So New Moon Rising.
0: They all uh, have you- their charm. That's what I love about them. I feel like I watch them. I always, I always, and I said this. I'm like, I look at Howling movies as like standalones.
2: Uh-huh. For some
0: reason, like I feel like they each have like, even though they do try to connect, I feel like I just look oh, it as a standalone three. movie. For some reason, I'm like, because I like Howling too. I don't know why people. I mean, it, yeah, it's a little campy and a little weird, but I mean, I like weird and campy. Lee.
1: Yeah, you got Christopher Lee coming to a bar with like 80s shades on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And that crazy like black and silver outfit. I, I don't even remember the queen's name now. I'm like totally uh, trying to, like a Oh,
1: God. Name. Yeah, I don't remember either.
0: Sure. Either. Like, yeah, I want to say it's not it's, sure, but it's something been, like that.
2: It's been decades since I've seen that one. Uh, like she's that wearing that one... super
0: cute, sexy outfit. Like, come on! Yeah. Like, it's yeah, like those awesome. boots were hot Yeah. <laughs> up to her It's that. a hot werewolf movie. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, it now, is. It's not. Matt, I don't think it's
0: a bad one.
2: Matt, you you did uh, Howling Seven for one of your last uh Killer Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, yes. I remember that. I remember that because I think it was like you and me and like like three other people were actually participating. It was a very low attended one, and that, everybody well, was,
1: that was. That was one of those nights where I was like, "Oh, I have I have discovered what." the bar is yeah it was on because it was just
2: on 2 and i remember i was like i have to i actually own a vhs copy of it somewhere and i remember joe bob briggs talking about it mm-hmm. and like being how rare it was and like and i was like and people and it became a thing because darcy said it yeah. so it was all of a sudden it was on the internet people were like howling seven we need to like show howling seven on uh joe on last drive and i'm like no no we won't. <laughs> no no like, i don't I,
1: not there's not enough alcohol in the world to get through that one. No, you it's not into such, it. it. <laughs> it's
2: yeah, it's such a terrible film. Um,
1: it, it's fascinating though for how yeah. terrible it is. Like to me, yeah. it's like um, I don't know. It's almost like a documentary on how to not make a movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's,
0: it's
2: just, like you know, it, it, it's food. one of those things. Yeah. It's like yeah, if you if don't, you know, just because you and your friends have a camera it doesn't mean you should necessarily shoot a film um you know because uh it's it's literally it's that bad sir have you seen have you seen i I was
0: i actually saw most of it i ended up falling asleep not because the movie was bad i literally was just because i was like exhausted and you know it's late at night like when people are like hey you want to meet up at 10 o'clock at the bar i'm like no i'm in bed by eight usually so if you want to meet at like six i can stay out past that time but so it was mostly because i felt i actually just fell asleep and i was kind of bummed because i was having a lot of fun talking to everyone about it. And then I was like, eh. it was it was a
2: it was a fun, it was a, a fun but low attended Killer Saturday that everybody but everybody had a really lot of fun with it because I think the movie is just that bad. It's
1: it's a it's a group movie. You get, yeah. not one I recommend by yourself, but if you watch it with a group that you can kind of, you know, crap on it with it's it's a lot yeah. more fun. But yeah no I mean the, the franchise is fascinating at a certain point because mm-hmm. I think it was like around uh, I think part four is when um, the producer who made part seven. thats it, Yeah, Clive Turner. Over. I'm sorry, do you remember his name? It's like Clive.
2: Clive uh, Turner, I believe. Clive Turner,
1: yeah. Yeah. He, he yeah. took over around then, and it was like from four on, he was producing these movies, and just every single one of them, he was trying to take ownership of it and would always step on the toes of the directors and the writers. And to the point where I there, there's even speculation that he made up a writing partner, for these movies where he basically like he would say he he would hire somebody to write the script, but then he would say, okay, but there's this other writer on it too. And he would just kind of use that as like that writer as, the person that he would talk through i don't know right i can't explain it properly but
2: <laughs> i think i, I think i'm on to you yeah he created a he, he created an alter ego so that they wouldn't they, yes. because they wouldn't so deal they with him two directly to
1: one argument yeah. anytime something came up yeah <laughs> yeah
2: but yeah i mean yes he did uh starting with starting with four um and then four, five, six, loosely six not much of six and then seven tie together in like one narrative uh that originally the uh, uh Part that actually tied in more with bradner's novel mm. um and um but yeah uh seven is is incomprehensible anyway but i mean if you don't know um if you don't know four and five you're kind of lost i mean five maybe you can skip because although i wouldn't because it's the best sequel wow. um, good, <laughs> yeah um yeah i love halloween five i've watched that i watch that movie all the time but um but yeah, uh, it's just it's just a fun like little Agatha Christie locked door mystery with a werewolf in it. Um,
1: yeah, with a werewolf.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. But um, but it, which is where Clive Turner first appeared as an actor, mm. playing the uh, playing the Australian guy um, who gets killed off relatively quickly, and then in part seven says dead. somehow he survived in the middle of a snowstorm in Carpathia uh, with a with a with a members only jacket, but he managed. uh, (laughs) you know he uh, he managed somehow to survive and then get to arizona or wherever the hell they shot seven and uh
1: his his favorite little town i think in like northern california or something that's right
2: it was northern california yeah Yeah. but yeah
1: Uh, i was gonna say so so i i would be (laughs) remiss if i end up not just making one last point about the howling and that's yeah yeah the, the, so the, the title itself, uh, which I kind of love it, because the, the idea of the howling I noticed plays into that idea of repression and kind of like freeing yourself sexually. And I, <laughs> the, the reason I kind of say that is that so if you watch like the first time that we actually hear the howling um, is with Dee when she's in bed and and Bill has slunk off to wherever I think. Or no no no, Bill's still in bed at this point. But she she wakes up in the middle of the night and hears the howling, and you know, and she's very like vulnerable and in her nighty, and yeah. Uh, and she goes out yeah. and she's investigating, and apparently there's like a cut scene where the the other weird brother had like stolen her panties and was sniffing them or something. I don't know. It's really fucking weird stuff. But uh, but that's the first time that she hears it, and it's in this vulnerable position in bed and all that. And then the next time you hear it where the howling is at its strongest is when Bill sleeps with Marsha. Yeah. And you just have all the howls coming up, you know, in the forest. And it's just like the loudest, most pervasive moment of the howl. Um, yeah. So I, I just kind of look at it as, as this concept of just the howling being like that, that releasing of repression. So,
2: yeah, definitely. I think so. I was
0: trying to think um, do you hear, is that all you hear in the woods? And Is howling of the wolves? I think so. I was trying to think. because uh, So when we watched the movie Howl, one of the things I picked up on was like no sound in the woods. So in Howl, there's a scene where they're yeah. walking through the woods and all you hear is like they're talking in their footsteps. And the first thing I think of is, if you don't hear anything in the woods, a predator is nearby and that woods are silent. So as I'm watching the howling, I, I'm like, am I hearing? Because mm-hmm. that yeah. that's not a good sign. Like anyone yeah. who goes hiking or camping or lives in the country, we know when the when the woods go silent, that's danger yep <laughs> I'm like i think that's all you hear
1: climb up a tree and hope a bear's not around right. uh yeah that, that's right? all you howl. yes
0: yeah, so that's what i thought i was trying to remember i was like oh man i'm like i think that's all i'm hearing i don't think i hear it. except for like the cows but they you know they're in the pen they don't count right so. <laughs> but i just i don't know it's just something i picked up on because i was like i raised raised in the country and like even at night the woods are not silent they are very noisy
1: yeah. oh very yeah
0: yeah like oh my gosh <laughs> oh God, he smokes so i was gonna ask you before um earlier i usually ask this but we got totally just jumped right into the howling is uh, how like how are like do you feel that horror movies are therapeutic for you in any way and i would say like i'm guessing is the howling like your go-to movie like my security blanket go-to movie is everyone knows is animator
1: yeah i love jeffrey
0: combs and i love that movie really? i love jeffrey combs <laughs> but you know like how do you feel they're therapeutic for you? And then like, is this, I'm guessing, is this your go-to movie? Like, is this like your ultimate, like when I am having a bad day, this is what I I reach for.
1: So, so, you know, it's actually not, um, well, okay, so to answer your first question, uh, yeah, no, (laughs) horror movies are totally therapeutic. And and the reason I think that is that, you know, for me when I was a kid, uh, like I said, I was bullied a lot as a kid and horror movies, you know, I couldn't have said this at the time, but looking back on it, I sort of assumed that maybe they kind of stood out to me because, you know, as a kid who was bullied, like you realize pretty early on, just how rough the world can be. (laughs) And, and, Mm -hmm. And to me, horror films were always kind of an outlet for this where the, the quote unquote weaker people win out in the end. They, they beat the evil, they beat the bully, you know so i always kind of like found strength yeah. in that which again is why i really gravitated towards nancy and the nightmare on elm street um so i absolutely think they're therapeutic i think that you know horror films they they tend to talk about topics in a, in a very direct way that i think a lot of films don't mm-hmm. you know i and agree so, Yes. so i i think that with horror you know there, there's just a variety of issues that if you're dealing with as a person there are horror films out there that you can watch to kind of confront that through with those movies. You know, it, it's, it's a, it's a way to confront your fears safely mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, hopefully come out the other end with, with, a, with, with a little more healthy outlook on it, you know, um, as far as my go-to though, you know, so when I think go-to film, I just think of like just really ridiculous entertainment. And so I've always considered evil dead too, is like my, my my island movie right because I can just turn that on anytime and just have a good time with it so. it's a good
0: movie so, yeah. <laughs> so
1: so not not really a therapeutic one but it's fun <laughs> it makes me laugh
0: sometimes uh, just being like watching something mindless is helpful like I know I, I don't have a lot of free time which I really wish I did but I just I don't have that luxury but like yeah for that hour and a half sometimes it's kind of nice to not have to think about anything but What's going on on the screen? And yeah, I was actually bullied too, like severely bullied as a kid. Like, I mean, I had a bully that, like, I remember punched me, kicked me in the face, and like threw me against a wall. And when I went to the teachers to say, like, "Hey, I'm being bullied," they were like, "Well, her parents went through a divorce, so <laughs> yeah, it was like you have- like that, basically it was like you deal with it because she went through something." And I'm like, "Okay, so I get kicked in the face because of it." But yeah, horror movies were always my thing too. Is like, yeah, I think you can find relatable characters, and yeah, you can face issues that maybe you can't usually face but you can face them yeah yeah, in a very safe environment and it's and it's also kind of an adrenaline rush that you can face this fear and you can face this thing that like you know i did this i went through this and now i'm you know but i'm okay and horror movies can kind of give you that little thrill and i don't know like it it is that therapy you need
1: yeah and and they're they're kind of like an acknowledgement of whatever you're facing too you know because like like you had with your teacher who's coming up with excuses for the other kid Mm -hmm. you know i I went through similar things where it's like you know you you tell your parents and they're and you know they they might your parents might support you depending on the parent but it, it usually only goes as far as well you just you stand up to that kid and you punch them right back or there there's no there's no solution of the problem that doesn't involve you just having to do everything yourself you know and so and so it often feels like no one's really helping you so those horror films it was just kind of like an acknowledgement of the problem existing and getting to have an outlet for seeing it you know defeated or taken care of or yeah
0: yeah
1: you know it's, uh, exactly so yeah no every i would everybody should check out horror movies and at least at least watch them once in a while because yeah it's a, at the very least it's an adrenaline rush like we all i think all of us like being a scared secretly to some degree right
0: oh i it, love it, it yeah it we make- like it <laughs> we like it uh we like it safe. yes safely yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah you get to live through something and and do it safely and be scared safely so i
0: like i, I like to watch horror movies by myself in the dark oh me too <laughs> like i don't know why but like sometimes when i'm watching it with friends that are like oh my god screaming i'm like stop, stop. <laughs> If I watch it by myself, I'm just like, "Ooh, here comes a good part." Yeah, I'm like, and then I go downstairs and scare myself more. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm one of those weirdos who likes to to go to sleep like with a horror movie on in the background or something. Sometimes, you know
0: which Me too. really hard
1: for my wife to get used to because she's not that person
0: <laughs> i put on a lot of like youtube pastas, like someone telling stories or like real stories like uh i forgot their, uh, darkness prevails like gets real stories that come in mm-hmm. i'll listen to like him or any creepypasta to go to sleep too i also like thunder and like uh thunder and rain like oh, heavy yeah. fu- like i like i have to hear like heavy thunder like not just a little bit but like the rain and the thunder i'm just like and it crashes and i'm like yeah i can sleep yeah now.
1: which which to anyone listening uh if you ever come to la just know that you're giving up thunder and lightning because you never get it here
0: <laughs> no i don't want to lose that
1: it sucks i grew up in the midwest and i i loved having storms to to watch movies with like all summer long it was just big thunderstorms right yeah. yeah i've lived in la for over 10 years and i've probably actually like heard aggressive thunder maybe twice the entire time <laughs> so. I, know,
0: I i've only um, i have family in san diego and my mom actually grew up in inglewood so oh wow yeah yeah she was there that was important. she loved her she loved california she always oh, talked about it it
1: was oh it's it's great there's there's a lot of great things about it i definitely just you know miss like any kind of diversity in the weather.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I lived in Hawaii for three years, and one of the things I missed the most was when I lived there was not being able to see the stars. You cannot see the stars at all in the sky because of the thing called the vog, which is like volcanic fog that comes off the big island, and it just encases the sky. The first time I came back to Vermont, the first thing I did was like look up at the sky and just see the thousands and thousands of stars, so
1: Oh, interesting i I didn't know hawaii was like that it's like that here because of all the smog you don't you don't see any stars in the sky but that's just because of poisonous gas in the air
0: (laughs) yeah no this is just volcanic like it's like this weird volcanic ash fog that kind of like seeps in into and i was on oahu Oahu, so Mm. it was a very busy place but i was the one thing about hawaii i did not like was that i couldn't see stars because i just i love them and the peepers i I miss I love peepers hearing the peepers (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if you had those in the Midwest, the little peepers, they call them, that, like, you can hear them at night. Uh, now, know, you know about? do you know about the peepers? Like, it's a big New England thing. We have the peepers. I
1: don't, I don't know if I ever, it, maybe I know what it is, but I never heard it They're referred
2: called. to as peepers. I would think, uh, yeah, I think they we call it peepers or something else where I come from. But, yeah.
1: yeah. Are, are we talking about, like, some kind of insect? or? <laughs>
0: It's like, I think they're frogs. They, they make these little like croaking, peeping sounds. I don't know. They're, I love them. They're, they're really, it's very relaxing to hear in the summertime. Yeah. So I don't know, just one of my things. Yeah, I'm in Vermont, so I'm, I'm still like in the middle of nowhere. Vermont, it's like a state that's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so we're kind of like our own thing right. in Vermont. That's like the big joke is like, we may be part of the United States, but we're still kind of like our own little country. Right. <laughs> we don't care about what's going on in the outside world. We just love our Bernie Sanders. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bernie. <laughs> we do.
1: Oh, Bernie!
0: Feel the burn. Yes, we love our man.
1: Mm-hmm. If only it could have <laughs> been you, Bernie. He's
0: great. How can you? Can he play? I know, right? That would have been great. Might, always, we might have
1: our. We might so have our fifteen dollars if we had Bernie. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's great. He reminds me of the people, the the scientists in like the um disaster movies that's like coming through it's like the world's (laughs) gonna end someone needs to listen to me and like all the stuff he's carrying is like falling out he's like please listen i'm like that's bernie he's the scientist in the disaster movies trying to warn the world
1: totally it (laughs) it ended up getting old really fast but i loved the uh the bernie meme after biden was elected we're just sitting in a chair yeah (laughs) it just was like everywhere
0: (laughs) Do you know what he said about that when they asked him about it he's like I'm from Vermont we don't we care more about like being warm than fashion and I'm like yeah it's true
1: yeah no that makes sense. Yeah, we
0: don't care <laughs> not, we're not about looking good we're about like being warm so I'm like but those memes were great I loved him we love you Bernie at least I
1: I oh, do oh yeah I love Bernie too
0: <laughs> how can you not <laughs> <laughs> so I actually think we covered most of the stuff I want to talk about because I couldn't really. I like to talk about the kills in a lot of the movies, but there wasn't really many to talk about. It was literally like Terry and then yeah, a bunch of where I was getting shot by silver bullets.
1: Yeah, yeah, not so. much there. <laughs> <laughs> I usually uh, like to
0: talk about that. So,
1: yeah, I mean, the only thing I can say on that. Because there is- wasn't many
0: to talk about.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I mean, yeah. But I did really like
0: there were many kills. What's that? So. It was kind of nice. I said it's kind of I. It kind of like sometimes when there's not too many kills, and mean the first kill doesn't even happen until like an hour into the movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that was kind of interesting because you would think a movie with werewolves, they would be constant, you know, killings. But this one, it waited a while and really drew out like I feel like the suspense, very atmospheric, in a way, kind of claustrophobic, because mm-hmm. you are in one setting. It is in the woods. It's a colony, but you're still like trapped mm-hmm. within that place. So,
1: and the thing. Great that- movie. Yeah the thing that I like about it or that approach with this is that um, it does kind of start to feel a little bit claustrophobic because you as the audience knows that Karen is in a bad situation right like, mm-hmm. like yeah. we, we all know that she's in a place with werewolves and I think the fact that it doesn't the first kill doesn't happen until an hour or so and it, it does just kind of keep you on edge of like when are they going to reveal themselves? Like, when are,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> when's shit going to go down, you know? Yeah. And then once it does, and it's the poor Terry and uh, heartbreaking.
0: <laughs> it is. It is. Um, oh my
1: gosh. Yeah, the only thing I can think to mention with the werewolf deaths is that uh, it's kind of funny. Originally, they, you know how there's that one shot with the uh, Ray Harryhausen type claymation? Yeah. Uh, with the werewolves like howling at the moon as they drive away. Uh, apparently, like, they they spent hours and hours, like, making these things, and they actually had, uh, in that ending sequence with the barn, they actually had, like, a bunch of those uh, claymation werewolves and shots of those in the barn burning. And I, I forget what the reason they didn't use it was. They just decided, hey, all that work you did, we're just going to scrap that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor guy didn't get his work used, but. Um... <laughs> yeah. But, hey, it worked out. You know, the, the whole barn scene's pretty great, so.
2: Yeah, it probably would have worked. It probably wouldn't have worked as well. It's probably was the reason why they didn't use it. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a good scene. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm guessing we're, uh, we're pulling up on my hour mark, aren't we? Or probably we've, a little over.
2: We've, we've gone well over. Yeah. Oh,
0: sorry. Okay, yeah. well, well. usually when there's a guest on, I don't mind going a little over. It's kind of nice.
2: Know. I'm talking to you, too.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: so. Okay. <laughs> Well, again, so thank you for being on the show. I, I'm so excited to finally, like, meet you in a way.
1: Yeah, no, nice <laughs> to meet you,
0: too. <laughs> face to the name. So, um, so again, we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us here today. Again, I am Sarah Sin on Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie um, with my minion of evil partner in crime, Nathaniel. Thanks, everybody. And our guest, Matt, from Killer Horror Critic today
1: thanks for having me nice to be (laughs) a co-minion of evil maybe today
0: (laughs) yes you're my other minion of evil (laughs) hope you guys enjoyed the show and i just like to remind everyone that there is a horror movie out there for everyone to enjoy so thank you